Welcome back. Welcome back. I wanted to just give a quick explanation from my week long hiatus, if we'll even call it that. Um, I know I was supposed to roll out these episodes directly behind each other as far as the series He Said, She Said, and we had the three episodes that were supposed to be one after another. But baby, when you're going through something and your body is telling you, listen, take a break, your mind is telling you, listen, we need a rest, your spirit is telling you, you know, we need we need some us time, take your time. I don't care what you have scheduled, moms, dads, whatever. Um, if it's not going to be detrimental to the well-being of your offsprings your little ones um take your take your moment take your moment to rest okay um in this case I did just that and I'm not really apologizing for it because like I said you have to prioritize your mental health your um well-being in general and so if that means hey that's gonna (laughs) I'm gonna have to get back to that assignment tomorrow or the day after or I might have to come back to it next week as long as you get back to it you should be good (laughs) because I feel like I'm good now so let's get right back in where we left off on the he said she said last time we were discussing he said she said I'm a deadbeat this time we're going over he said she said I'm a real parent so I want to know what does that look like to you because I know what it looks like for me and I, and I know what that is for me when I'm saying it, but what does it look like to you to be a real parent? Because we have so many different types of parenting structures going on right now, especially in today's culture. We have, of course, still the nuclear family, right? But we're like almost seeing that less and less where it's mom and dad married, raising the children under the same roof. Now, don't get me wrong. That still is very much so happening. But it's just like we're seeing a lot of other things come up outside of that as well now, more so than we did before. Before that was the primary and that was the majority of what you would see. But now it's uh, it's not as much as it used to be. And I'm not even like, you know, I don't even feel because of some situations being so some situations being so complicated. I'm not even going to say that I think it's a really sad thing overall. I think it's a little disappointing, but I don't necessarily want to say that it's a sad thing because there are several different reasons why the mom and the dad may not be able to reside under the same roof and raise the children together. And some of those reasons, a lot of those reasons are reasonable (laughs) to say the least. They're, They're reasonable reasons. So I get that. However, with that being said, I do want to, again, just know from other parents what does real parenting look like in their house? I'll give you a quick synopsis of my own. In my house, you know, it's a single parent household, okay? It is, I came from a single parent household and um, to my surprise, I'll say, I ended up doing, having to raise my son in the same type of household, single parent household, right? Um, it was not my ideal choice. As I disclosed in my last episode, I would not have chosen that You know, I didn't choose this life. This life chose me. (laughs) No, in all seriousness, um, we live and we learn, right? And so I lived, I learned, and this is where I am now. Um, I'm raising my child in a single parent household. And with raising him as a single parent, I just want to paint a quick picture of what that looks like. I am not talking about co-parenting. When I say single parent household, I am not describing a co-parenting situation where he lives with me, but he still gets to go with dad. This is not that kind of thing. Or dad still comes around or dad's still involved. This is not even a parallel situation. No, he is being raised in a single parent household where there literally, literally there's one of his parents that's involved in his life. That's it. That's it. That's all there is. Um, when it comes to his care, his general care, like his food, shelter, clothing, that kind of thing, of course, when I say I'm a real parent, I'm doing things that are necessary to make sure that I can manage those things. But in addition to managing his shelter and his ability to eat and his ability to have clean clothes on his back, I'm also invested in my son's mental health. You know, I'm also invested in his academics. I'm also invested into 
things that he's gifted with. Like I mentioned in the last episode, if you have your children have strengths and talents and gifts that they were naturally born with, you should be um, encouraging them to, to explore those things. You should be walking alongside of them and helping them to sharpen up skills. Yes, but also to shine in those things that they were naturally born with. And so I'm invested in my son's gifts and talents. And I'm also invest invested in all of the other areas as well as, as I mentioned, um, there's a lot of struggles that I think a lot of people don't realize single parents have. I think the automatic go-to they look at is like financial burden. And while yes, 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 it can definitely, definitely be stressful financially when you are the only parent responsible for that child or those children. It can absolutely be um, a hardship financially, right? A lot of us have known that story. I've, I learned, I knew that story from where I came from and how I grew up in my household had just how bad, uh, not having finances the way my mother probably would have preferred to have them just how bad that actually affected us. It was like a ripple effect. that caused a lot of other issues in other areas. However, that finances are not the only issues that, that come up when it comes to single parents. And when you think about how your children change from stage to stage there are moments in their transitioning where you're also transitioning so you don't necessarily always know the first thing to do to handle their change as you may not even be aware of the fact that you're you're changing too and you you're barely able to handle what you're going through let alone them and what they're dealing with too i'll even go back to the beginning stages right when i first gave birth and it's like, oh my God, this beautiful baby. And you guys, let me tell you, you want to talk about gorgeous, this, this, this baby, when this doctor placed this baby to me on my chest hours after birth, cause I didn't even get to see him when he was first born. I, I had a C-section delivery and they just quickly hurried up, took him away and put me in recovery. And you know, those who have had C-sections, uh, mommies who, who have had this, you guys might know what I'm talking about. Like they take the baby, they ship you off to recover and you may or may not be with it. Like you may or may not be here all the way mentally. Um, I was not, I just remember being in an extreme amount of pain. Um, and then not really not seeing my baby outside of a picture. I have my cousin who's more like my sister. She showed me a picture of him on her cell phone. She's like, this is him. And I'm like, no, that ain't him. Like, where's where's my child? Like, that's somebody else's child. Where's my child? And she's like, no, this is this is him. And I was just like, wow, like, I can't believe he just looks nothing like my dream. Like I what I thought he was going to look like in my dream. But anyways, I sleep back off and I wake back up and I'm still no baby or whatever. Hours later, I finally am able to get into a mother baby room where they're able to bring him to me. This is hours later. I think I gave birth around like 4.50 in the, in the uh, late afternoon, 4.54 late afternoon that day. And I ended up getting to the mother baby room at like maybe 10.30, 10.45 at night. Yeah, so it was a lot of hours in the recovery waiting for a room. And then when I finally got there... And I'm telling the nurse, I'm like, I haven't seen my baby yet. Where's my baby? And they're like, we're going to bring him. We're going to bring him. And then in they roll the little, you know, the little incubator thingy. And I reach up, like lean over, lean in to grab him and to pick him up. And I'm in a lot of pain and it's hurting. But it's like, I don't even care about being in a lot of pain. I just want to hurry up and grab him because this is the first time I would have laid my totally conscious eyes on him so I'm, I'm not even I'm ignoring the midsection pain of having just been cut open I'm ignoring that and I'm reaching for my baby and then I grab him and I'm holding him and I bring him close to me and I'm just like oh my god I'm smitten in love immediately all of a sudden all of my worries about oh my god I didn't plan for him to come right now I didn't plan for having a baby at this stage of my life and I didn't want to be a single mother, you know, I, all of those things that I have battled with throughout my whole entire pregnancy, it was like at this very moment, none of that mattered, right? None of it mattered. I was holding this gift that was so innocent and so amazing. And it just felt so good to be like, wow, God, I can't believe you trust me with this. If you trust me with this, then 
I, I don't I don't know. I don't know because I don't deserve it. So you got to show me something. Something good has to come from this because why would you trust me with something so perfect and something so precious and innocent? And it wasn't just about his looks. And yes, he was a he was a beautiful baby, but it wasn't even just his looks. It was just his being, just his being, how how I looked at him, how he looked at me, how he felt close to me um, when I would feed him the connection that that was being developed there like it was it was just so much so you looking at you're looking at this beautiful innocent being and you're thanking God and you're like well I can't believe you trust me to be this things (laughs) I hate to say thing to be this little person's parent this is crazy all right let's go God and so you're already in protective mode I was already in protective mode even before I gave birth so now it's like maximized by two to three hundred percent right um, you're in protective mode, you're smitten in love, you would do anything, you would do anything for this child. And then fast forward a couple of late nights, fast forward a couple of weeks of those late nights, fast forward, uh, maybe even a month or two of those late nights, and you've had nobody else to kind of bounce off the responsibility with like you have support I had support not every and I'm aware I don't want to sound ungrateful because I'm aware that not everybody even has their mom still present for whatever reason or still has an auntie still present for whatever reason Um, but I did have some family supporting me while I parented my baby but they wanted to make sure I knew and understood whether directly or indirectly that this will support you and being a parent to him. But we we are not his parents. <laughs> you are his parent. OK, and you're going to be his parent from now until forever. So that's your baby. Yes, he's our baby. We're going to love him and we're going to support you with him. But that's your baby. And don't you ever forget it. And so. That. That feels good most of the time, but then there are some times where you just really wish you yourself can say, you know what? I need a break from this. I need a break from this parenting. You know, I need a break from it. I need to be able to get in the shower and I don't have to worry. I don't want to have to worry about my crying baby while I'm in there, you know, because I came from a lifestyle of being young, single woman who only had to worry about herself. I didn't have to worry about anybody else. I did not have to worry about anybody else. And now it's like a culture shock because now it's like this newborn needs you for everything, literally for everything. And so you go into being, you go from being your single self, worrying about yourself, you know, real narcissistic. You only care. You only do things that make you feel good. Right. And to now you can't even you can't go to the bathroom. You can't go sit on the toilet. You can't get in the shower. You can't change your bra. You can't even twist your bra around, you know, in three minutes without your newborn wilding for respect because they they need to be fed or they need to be held or they need to be burped or they have other gas that's bound up in their guts and they need you to press their knees back and help them to fart. Like, I got to help you fart, but I can't even go to the bathroom to pee. Like, make it make sense to me is how I used to feel. So you, you have, you have both worlds, right? You have, like I said, the loving, protecting, I'm smitten right now. And then you have the other side. That's like a culture shock. That's like, um, I don't know what I'm doing. And I really wish somebody would help me. And then the help that you do get, and I mean, most people mean well, but it's like, they're not, they're not the mother of the child. So they don't really know how you, what your um way of doing things is. You don't even really know what your way of doing things is really, but you some what try to gather your routine of doing things and then when you ask someone for help or if you're like me you're not asking them for help but they're offering their help and it, it doesn't look like your way and so you're kind of like you know what I just excuse me let, let me handle this I, I, got, I got it no 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 I don't need no help I'm all right and it's like you really do need the help but you need it to be in a way of like the same way that you would be doing things and the hard part about that is because those people are not going to do things the way that you do things. Even if you had a partner, he's likely not going to do the exact same things that the way that you do them either. But when you're when you're in a nuclear family situation, one of the reasons why I always admired it is because 
at least they get they know you right your partner would have known bits and pieces of you that maybe your auntie won't know they may know bits and pieces of you that maybe even your mother wouldn't know I mean I can't really imagine in my world because my mom knows me so well but I do believe that if there if there was a nuclear nuclear situation going on the person that's living with you and seeing you day after day you know night after night and moments you know several moments um, they're going to get to know different pieces and parts of you that maybe the rest of anyone else wouldn't know so personally. And so you don't have to even explain yourself in a lot of those situations because that person already knows. They can look at your face and tell what it is you need in many situations. That's not to say that you don't need to communicate. That just means that when you're when you become one with someone, they usually there are certain things that they don't have to even speak. You can feel you can feel it. Um, when you're a single parent, you just, there are moments where you long for that, that specific thing. And I'm aware that it doesn't happen in all situations, but I'm, remember, I'm talking about the ideal, right? The ideal nuclear family. So as a single parent, you're missing what you believe the ideal nuclear, nuclear family is, and you're just longing for that, the, the moment where you can say, let me take my break. I don't want to be gone forever. I don't want to forget that I am a mother to these children or this child. I don't want to leave and never come back yet. Anyway, <laughs> I just need me some space. That's it. I just need some space. I need to be able to go get in the shower and not have to be panicking because I'm hearing phantom cries and I don't know who's going to go and grab the baby or I got to be squeezing in you know, almost a whole entire bassinet into the bathroom just so that I can go to the bathroom, you know, like you don't want though, you get tired of things like that. And so it becomes really difficult in that way, like just for moral support, just mental health and moral support, general well-being, you start to miss things like that. Now, we hadn't even gotten to finances. We hadn't even gotten to finances because like I said, it, it, that's, a, that's a huge part of it, that, but that's not the only part of it. There's a lot of this stuff is emotional and mental, you know? And then so as your child begins to grow and change and they're requesting different things, like going from the newborn stage to the bigger infant to the now toddler, and they're constantly switching, you're also growing and getting older as well. And certain things that you might have been able to tolerate before, you no longer want to tolerate anymore. Or some things you're a little bit more lenient with, um, so you're, you're taking your time and you're trying to understand things a little bit better, but then your child will, you, as soon as you think that you've gotten a rein on what you're doing, and this is what I found as a single parent too, soon as you think that you've got this parenting thing under control as a single mom or a single dad, it's like, boom, your child enters another phase. And then it's like, you're starting all over again and you're back to square one where you were when that child was a newborn and you didn't know what you were doing. It happens like every couple of months with your kids, I swear, Even, especially when they were younger. Like now it may be a little bit more spread out, with, spread out with the years. But when they were newborns and you had to go past those awkward stages and then finally you think like, all right, I got a rhythm to this now. I got a routine. I know what I'm doing. Then boom, your infant enters another phase and now you got to learn them all over again. So it, it's just a lot of that and wishing that you had somebody else to bounce those emotions off of those feelings those stresses those tensions off of like I don't know what's wrong with him and you know what I've been holding him for five hours like I don't want to hold him anymore <laughs> here can you take him from me for a little bit can you take him outside with you a little bit take him for a ride for a little bit give me some space or can you hold him down right here if you want to watch the game if you want to watch tv if you want to listen to music if you want to do whatever you're doing can you do that while you hold him on your chest so that I can at least go and get myself a breather um those things are the things that really do weigh heavily not having that option are the th things that really do weigh heavily on single parents and then just maximize it by the amount of years that you end up being a single parent and then think about that think about your single parent friends or if you are a single parent you know the stresses already of like it's not just the first year a lot of us it's not just the first two years many of us this is our experience with parenthood from day one until there, 
18, you know, where we're constantly having to deal with the not just financial strains of being single parents, but also the mental, um, the mental heaviness that comes along with it, the emotional heaviness that comes along with it. And if we're not careful and we're not going to get the help that we need for our own mental health, it's like an explosion. It's, it's so much, it's way too much. It's way too much for one person. So that's my experience. Um, as a single parent, that's my experience with that. And I know I didn't really mention that parenting structure as one that Um, I would be going over, but I wanted to just point that out for some of my single parent listeners that I see you girl, or I see you homie, like I see you, I know, and I understand. And it is really, really tough when you don't currently have the option of nuclear co-parenting or parallel parenting. It's really tough. It's really hard. But I promise you, if we just stick together and we keep on doing what we need to do for our children, we are going to smile. We are going to be happy. We're going to have joy. Our children are going to be happy and healthy beings. We just got to stick to be committed to our healing and then also be committed and invested in their growth and in their their development and making sure that we're keeping them in mind along our own journeys, keeping them in mind as well. And I think that they'll be fine regardless, Um, regardless, you know, because you can only do what you can do. And although I always say that, I would prefer this parenting structure or that parenting structure if they're not an option right now at this moment, because I trust God, right? Let me just say that I trust God. So I believe God can do anything. And if and if you do desire the nuclear family structure, I believe that you can pray for that and walk out your singlehood and your single parenthood and God will bless you with what you're praying and asking for. As long as you're lying, what you're living, the life you're living is lining up with what he wants for your life, I feel like he will bless you with the desires of your heart. Even if it's not happening right in this moment, it doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. But I do want to encourage you that while while we're yet waiting on that, to just give your best. Give your absolute best to your children. And now with our um with our single single parenting experience, I um I know that I can know I know most of the ins and outs of of that and I can go into that, you know, in so many different directions as well. However, I want to kind of switch gears just a quick minute because I sent a set of questions to someone who I I used to know some years ago. She's been doing amazing since the last time I seen her. She has grown so much. She has gotten married. She has had children, beautiful beautiful children that um have all banded together as a family and they're doing a YouTube thing. They're doing a social media thing. And definitely they have a lot of good content and she has a lot of good insight when it comes to this whole parenting thing. I I, I kind of do look up to her and her husband a lot, even behind the scenes more than they even knew. Um, I look up to them a lot for how they handle their household of their littles together. Um, so I wanted to ask her a couple of questions and bring her into the conversation to get some perspective of what to expect in a realistic nuclear situation, like in today's culture, in today's time, right now. Um, we know what it used to look like in the past, the nuclear family structure. We know that some of us single parents, we are, some of us may be looking forward to that, um, to building that structure or rebuilding that structure for our household in the near future. And I just want to get an idea of what that looks like in real time. And so I spoke to none other than my homegirl down south, ATL. What up, though? <laughs> and I'm going to let her chime in and answer some of those questions that I had asked. And um, I hope you guys do take away a few things from what she had to say. And when we come back, I'm going to go ahead and get into just a few testimonials from some other parents who may be operating as another nuclear family set or they might be co-parenting or they might be a single parent. Um, I was hoping to reach out to someone who even had uh, parallel parenting as a structure in their house, but I, I, I'm, still, I'm still learning now that a lot of people don't know about that as much. So we'll see what happens. Um, tune in, guys. I want you to definitely listen out for our next guest. I'm going to let her step in and introduce herself. Mm-hmm. 
so excited to be on your podcast. Um, my name is Tierra Dickerson. I reside in Augusta, Georgia. I am a salon owner, a YouTuber, a wife, and a mommy. Um, you can follow me on my platforms. On Facebook, I am Tierra Dickerson. Um, T-I-E-R-R-A Dickerson. Um, on TikTok, I am Miss Dimples. M-R-Z-D-I-M-P-A. L, the number three, and Z on TikTok. On Instagram, I am Miss Dimples as well. On YouTube, you can follow me and my husband's YouTube, um, CMD Gang Gang. And let's get into these questions. Knowing what you know now about parenting, what are three do's and three don'ts when it comes to you and your spouse raising your kids? Um... I say three do's are being able to communicate, being able to agree, and being able to compromise are the three do's because these kids will run you ragged. They also know how to play against each other, play the parents against each other, excuse me, Um, three don'ts. Don't allow your child to say um, that mommy said or daddy said without knowing if the other parent agreed to disagree with the child. Um, Don't just take it upon yourself to make decisions on your own when it's coming down to your children. Um, Being able to parent together isn't always easy I say when it come down to children with being able to ask one parent can they have can they have because they know that parent is going to be like yeah you can you can get this yeah you could get that knowing the other parent may be a little harder in our case I'm the hard parent <laughs> and I don't mind being the hard parent my husband is lovable and the kids know Daddy going to say, yeah, he done toughened up a little bit more over the years, but daddy always been a yes man and mommy always say no. Um, When it come down to parenting with your spouse, you got to when I say that you have to be able to communicate is because when you do tell that one child no and they come running, um, daddy, can I get some chips? Or daddy, can we go outside? Or daddy, can I play the game? After mommy just said no, then mommy walks in the room and sees you playing outside, eating chips or playing the game. And now it's beef between parents. So I say communication is key within your marriage and with with parenting. Um, Compromising. Maybe you don't want them to have this or maybe you don't want them to do that, but the other parent does. Where can y'all meet in the middle to find common grounds where the child be able to do it, even though you don't want them to? Um, When it comes to, that's when it comes down to being um, compromising. That's what it comes down to, compromising. Um, The other question is, what are two best practices you and your spouse use to resolve conflict in the household? So let's use sibling rivalry. Um, one child in our household, we don't play that when it comes down to this child against that child or these two against those two, because we have four. We have three girls and we have one boy. Um, our kids range in ages of 12, 8, 6, and 4. The boy is the youngest. So when it comes down to, um, him being able to play with the girls, they don't too funny be wanting to play because he want to play with action figures. They want to play with LOL dolls. So they leave him out of the games and then he comes in and mommy, they don't want to play with me. Daddy, they don't want to play with me. And we get to the point where y'all have to find common grounds and all y'all being able to play together. So if y'all have to play LOLs and he played with his action figures and y'all meeting at the mall and he, this the homeboys and this the homegirls and this the brothers and this sisters, y'all better find some common ground in playing. Um, when it come down to 
um, the kids not wanting, okay, we have bonus children. I have bonus children. My husband came into the marriage with um, children. So when the sister comes over, the girls may want to play with her and not play with Chosen. That's our son name. We have to let them know y'all are all siblings. Y'all all need to play together. It's no leaving this one out or leaving that one out. Y'all are all siblings. Y'all all are about to play with each other. Whether y'all want to or not, because at the end of the day, y'all have each other. Other people outside is just a bonus. Now, do you think, I wanted to ask you something too. Tierra, do you think that people have a hard time with the idea of how to, um, how to raise happier, healthier children? Do you think that they just lack the know-how to do that? Or do you think that they struggle with, um, the desire to do that? Like, do they, do they, do you think that they care enough to do that? Do you think that they care enough to teach their children, discipline their children and help their their children encourage their children to be to be good not just to tell them I want you to be better than me but actually show them what better looks like you know what I mean like show them what better looks like do you think people are afraid to do that you know or don't have the motivation to do that or do you think that um you know they don't they don't know how to like how do what are your thoughts on that A lot of people don't want to discipline their kids um, like they have been disciplined as children. Some may find some things a little harsh. Some may find things a little too soft. You just got to meet in the middle when it comes down to being able to discipline your kids together. You need to find common grounds when it comes down to the things that you feel are right based on that child because every child is different. Every child requires different attention. Like I have a child, usually be the middle ones, that she feels like she's not being seen, but I had to let her know I see you, you know, because maybe, you know, having more than one or two, having more than two children, you have to juggle time between all of them. We have four. When our bonus child come over, we have five. So it's like you got to find the common grounds on when to be able to spread your time amongst all of them to show them that, you know, you see each and every one of them, not as an entire whole, but individually. I definitely do. I definitely, well, I don't want to say I do because I don't have multiples but I could definitely understand how it can be difficult to try to spread yourself um between multiple children and how tough that must get at times because I can only imagine like (laughs) having more than one of my one what that would look like for me when I'm almost I'd be ready to pull my hair out sometimes with my one you know (laughs) I'd be having to I'm almost ready to pull my hair out with my one under most situations just because I'm so so serious and so so passionate about making sure that he's being a a good person you know what I mean that that I'm raising a good person that I'm not I'm not holding too much back from him because I felt very restricted as a kid and not not to any fault of my mother because she did the best that she can in most situations but just restricted in the way of like poverty poverty does something to you you know it does something to your whole household it does something to your everything right so in a lot of ways poverty restricted me and my brothers um with some of the things that we wanted and would have enjoyed or in some cases things that we needed that we should have had um so I don't want to hold my child back from getting some of those things that definitely not the things that he needs and also some of the things that he wants I don't want to restrict him from having some of the things that he enjoys because I feel like those are the things that help you 
to to have an enjoying uh, uh I don't want to use that word enjoy it help those are some of the memories that you want to have about your childhood you want to be able to look back in your childhood and not have to grieve all of the things that you didn't have you want to be able to look back in your childhood and see those those moments those moments where you got something that you really really wanted and it was beautiful and it was amazing and you were so thankful you want to be able to look back and have those memories so because I have that thought in mind Whenever I'm I'm doing something with my child and for my child, I'm like, I want him to, I I really want to give this to him or get this to him or show him this. And I want him to be able to remember this for the rest of his life. And sometimes he's excited. Sometimes it falls flat. And then I'm like, you know, in my feelings, because I'm like, I don't want to raise a spoiled child either. So it's like hard to find the balance at times when you have an only child. But I can only imagine what that must look like when you have three four five or more you know what I mean where you you're literally having to do that with each child like I want to make sure you guys have but I don't want to overspoil you but I also don't want to make you feel left out but I also don't want to you know make you see make you self-centered either like it's so it's so hard and so tough um to have multiple children and have to spread yourself between but I absolutely see from what I from where I stand I see you guys have been doing an amazing job with that like just giving yourselves 100% to all of your kids from the oldest to the youngest and it's so beautiful to me and the only other question that I'm left with is like how do you do not just how do you do that like how do you do that with um you the two of you being married and still being one and having to remember each other how do you how are you able to handle spreading yourselves between all of the children and giving all of your love to them and then still um remembering each other you spread the time that y'all have for y'all kids y'all make y'all dates on when y'all want to do things with y'all children but you also have to set aside time to be with one another because when we have children we also forget about our mates and that caused confusion within the household because maybe your spouse may feel left behind you know what i'm saying like us as mommies we our job is like it's never done we wake up we get kids together we make sure they're straight throughout the, the day the spouse may come home. We make sure they straight. We may be the first ones up and the last ones to go to sleep. And vice versa. It may be roles may switch. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, you have to find common ground and time for each other. When it comes down to making time with us in our situations with our kids, um, mainly with me running the salon, I may go to work Tuesday through Saturday. And I may be in the shop sometimes from 8 a.m. to about 4 or 8 a.m. to about 5, 6 o'clock. And, you know, and I be dog tired when I leave and be wanting to go to sleep when I get home. But I still have to find that common ground with spending time with my children. I have to find that common ground with spending time with my husband. Whether it's 30 minutes to an hour or so on, you still have to find that time because they've been missing you all day. They've been without you all day. When it comes down to us, we set our times with maybe Saturday, Friday, if my day wasn't long and the husband's day wasn't long, and we still feel up to going and do something, we ask the kids what y'all want to do. We throw ideas in a hat. Everybody can't come to agreement, we pick. First thing we pick, that's what we're going to do. You don't like it, better pick something better next week. We try to find time where Sundays are ours, family day together. Um, we try to find times where we take each other out on dates. Whether it's during the week or on the weekends, we find that common ground with we don't forget about each other because when you forget about each other, things start to stir up. It, emotions start to flare up. Um, when it comes down to the kids understanding mommy and daddy still need their time as well. You know, you still have to let them know, okay, kids, we're going to do something today and mommy and daddy's time is 
tomorrow or mommy and daddy's time next weekend. We did a weekend with y'all. We still got to have a weekend with, you know, us. So it's all about picking and choosing your battles wisely. Um, Finding balance in between being a parent and being a spouse. Finding common grounds in how to discipline your child, how the things you like and in with disciplining and things that you don't, you know, it's all about communication, compromising, understanding, listening to one another, um, because see what, what you go through as being parents, the kids see and hear everything. So if they see mommy and daddy can't get it together, they may try to act on the parent that's a little bit more down than the other, you know? So I say find common grounds with communication, compromising, listening, understanding, instill those things in your children so that they're able to listen, understand, compromise. You know what I'm saying? So in a process of disciplining, they understand why they're being disciplined. Tell them. Ask them, how can I be a better parent to you? What is mommy lacking? What is daddy lacking in being a parent to you? What are things that we can do better as a parent? Because a lot of us don't ask our children that. And I know I'm jumping. But I got to speak it while it's coming to me. I ask my kids, is there anything that I can do as your parent? Is there anything that you feel like you don't agree with that I do as a parent? When my kids told me the same thing my husband said, we don't like when you yell yell at us, it makes us sad. And I had to tell them, well, you're not cleaning your room and me having to tell you two and three times makes mommy sad. When mommy comes home from having to clean up her shop and working and standing up all day and have to come home and clean up behind you guys, that makes mommy sad. So what we can do so that we're both not sad is y'all do y'all part at the house and mommy will do her part when she comes to the house. When I see that things are being done, my kids get paid for doing their chores. My oldest cleans the kitchen. My second oldest makes sure the eating area is clean and the bathroom is straight with the trash in the bathroom. Um, the middle child, she makes sure that the living room is clean and the hallway is swept. The baby, he makes sure the toy room is clean and his room, side of his room, is straight. They get paid. And when they don't do what they're supposed to do, guess what? They don't get paid, and then you still have to do what you have to do that you're told to do. You know what I'm saying? We trying to instill in them principles that was instilled in us. So when you get out and by yourself and grown, you know that you want a clean house. You know that you're supposed to clean up after yourself. Like, these are things that you know. You know that we sat and talked to you and told you what was wrong when you did something wrong. So when you have children, you can sit and when you told them that, no, you can't go here. And this is why you can't go here. Cause my mom and dad talked to us. I even sit sometimes and may throw in a movie. We always do movie night. And if the guys are playing the game, my son and husband's playing the game and me and the girls are in the room and I be like, what's on your mind to my girls? Cause I want to know. I make them comfortable enough to be able to talk to me, be able to to tell me things off the strength of them just wanting to talk and tell me things, not me having to pressure them to get it out of them. Okay, bingo. So keeping the lines of communication open, you know, finding common ground and communication with each other, that's helping you to stay connected. Got you got you i agree with that even outside of um parenting like um you know definitely with your i believe it should be like that with your spouse if you have one 
And it should also be like that between you and your child, that if you keep the lines of communication open nonstop, that that's only going to make for a better relationship with with you and them. Um, I also think that that should hold true when it comes to any any relationship that you have um, moving forward. You know what I mean? Like whether you are a nuclear parent, you know, parenting with your with your spouse, or if you're in a co-parenting situation and you're just trying to, you know, you guys are not together, but you're struggling along trying to make sure you both put your kids first. I think keeping that those lines of communication open is a key, major key component on um, being able to to stay on the same team. Because how can you be on the same team if you don't know where the other one, you know, you don't, you don't know what the other one is doing. You're not, you know, you can't be playing for the same team. If one person is going to the left, the other person is going to the right. And y'all don't know where, where you're supposed to meet in the middle. You're not on the same team that way. There has to be a common ground, right? There has to be a, 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 a play, you know, at state, there has to be something that shows here's what we're trying to do. And here's how we're going to get to that. And by keeping communication open, it's only going to help you to execute, right? If you're not talking, you're not communicating in any way, then how are you going to execute the plan? You know, how are you going to do it? You say you're both saying we love our children and we want them to always know this. Well, how are they going to know this if the two of you guys cannot communicate with each other? How are they going to always know that you um, are well invested in, in them and in their lives and their development if they never even see you guys say two kind words about each other? You know what I mean? Like, how are they going to know if you can't pick up the phone and say, hey, you know what? I really wanted to be there on that day and I'm sorry that I wasn't. But here's what I can do this time right here right now you know if if you're not able to pick up the phone and say hey you know I really do need some help and I don't want to have to you know go to this person and that person when I know that you're the other parent and you know you should be involved as well I want to let you know this is what's going on would you like to help you know just keeping the lines of communication open on both ends I feel would only make the situation better when it comes to being able to parent, um, parent your children in a better way, you know, um, on the road to becoming happy, healthy adults. It's only going to work when you guys are on the same team. And if you guys are not on the same team, cannot play for the same team or nowhere near the same game even, and you have to do this as a single parent, then you just keep those lines of communication open between you and your child. Just make sure that it's age appropriate. You know what I mean? Make sure that it's age appropriate. Check yourself and make sure you're not making your children um, be held responsible or anyone be held responsible for your own mental health. You're the one responsible for that, that part. But keep the lines of communication open so that you know what's going on with the other party and the other party knows what's going on with you. And there's not all this confusion about what you're doing or what you're trying to do. And, you know, mixed emotions never being discussed, things being swept under the table. You don't want any of that, then you do have to communicate. So thank you so much for that, Tierra. I appreciate you. I just love my children. I love being a parent. I love being their friend. I just love it. So, again, make sure you guys follow me on my platforms. Um, on Facebook, it's Tierra Dickerson. On Instagram, it's Miss Dickerson. Oh, I'm sorry, Miss Dimples. On YouTube, it's CMD Gang Gang. On TikTok, it's Miss Dimples instead of an E. It's a number three with a Z at the end. Um, yeah. I definitely miss you, girl. I, it's been so many years, but it is so beautiful to see you guys in social media doing your thing and just being the best parents that you possibly could be to your children. I appreciate your support today, and I appreciate you wanting to do, um, you know, this whole chime-in situation. Next time, hopefully, we can get you in person at some point so that I can actually give you a big old hug because I've missed you. I haven't seen you in so many years. But thank you again for your time and just um, 
give me your perspective today on some of those things that you and your husband are working on with your children. I hope that it's encouraging to other listeners who may be in a nuclear situation who are trying to figure out how can we better parent our multiples without forgetting anyone and how can we do that while not forgetting each other. I hope that that was helpful to them. Um, To my other listeners today, uh, I also hope that you um, have a better understanding of what single parenthood looks like um, on on a broader scale than just financial hardship, because we hear a lot about that. We know single mothers have a hard time with childcare. We know that single mothers usually have a hard time with making sure they have enough of anything, you know what I mean, for their kids on just their income alone. But do we know and understand that single mothers have their own traumas that sometimes come back to haunt them? Do we know that single fathers, you know, they suffer with mental illness just like anyone else in this world can suffer with mental illness. And yet they still have to be parents to their children all while all while dealing with possibly anxiety, depression or anything. You know what I mean? Health problems, health scares. I had another story testimonial. I don't want to tell her story too much, but cuz I I want to get her here to talk about it herself eventually. Um single mom literally literally could have died, you know, during the birth of one of her children and she already she had multiples already. She had two other children and was about to give birth and almost could have lost her life could have lost her life. Imagine the stress that comes over you just in the moment of knowing I'm dealing with a crisis right now that could be life or death. But my first thoughts are my what's going to happen with my children because they don't have another parent if I'm gone. They don't have another parent if I'm gone, if I'm not here. You know what I mean? So we'll get into more of her story on the next episode when we're discussing parenting styles. We want to know all about the authoritarians we want to know all about the authoritative yes there is a difference authoritarian think military authoritative think gentle parenting and then we're also even going to touch on passive parenting okay so next time this will come up again very very soon after this episode you guys do not have to wait a whole week and i know this was kind of short but i hope you did take a good um amount of information today and just just understanding you know if we can have a little more understanding for one another and help each other where you see you can be of help to somebody help them out if you sing a see you see a single parent struggling along the way offer your help the best way that you can you know if you see somebody who is really trying to co-parent maybe you're not in the best of relationship with them but they want to co-parent they're at least open to the possibilities Open up that line of communication. You'll never know what what could happen or where it can go unless you do so. So open up the lines of communication there and see what can happen and what can grow from just that little spark, you know? And if you're in a nuclear situation, well, I would just encourage you, don't forget each other. Because if you don't forget each other, if you can remember each other and keep communication open between each other, then you can remain on the same team playing for the same goal and you guys can execute the play day in and day out. But you have to stay connected. I hope this was all beneficial and we'll talk to you again on the next episode of Uncorked.